Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. Hey, when you're done listening to this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content. Our app is actually the best place to keep up with everything going on at Hope. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy. Yeah, we can celebrate her and Ken, and you pray for her, pray for God to heal her. She's still struggling with cancer, but we want to celebrate her and all the volunteers just like her. One other thing that we want to celebrate is uh, just last weekend, we had our very first Next Level Parenting Conference, and it was amazing. Uh, How many of you guys were able to check that out? Yeah, a lot of you guys. So we had over 400 parents join us on Saturday morning who braved a little bit of snow that was on the grass and stuff, and uh, we had some amazing practical breakout teachers. We had some phenomenal main stage teachers. The first one was just amazing. It was me. I'm just kidding. Wasn't that good? But the second, third, and fourth was great. And it was so, so cool to see um, afterwards, after the whole thing was done, there were parents that hung out afterwards when they, when they could have left. I guess they had babysitters. Maybe they didn't have to leave, but they hung out around the tables and they were praying with each other. They were praying for each other. And it was just a powerful moment where we saw the spirit move. And we love that sort of stuff because we believe that if we're going to be the type of church that God has called us to be, we have got to invest and families that thrive. Uh, The family more than anything else is in battle right now. Our culture is just tearing it apart and trying to break it down. And so if we wanna be a church that God's called us to be, we've got to invest in not just parents, uh, but also marriages, by the way, re-engage, re-engage our marriage class. If you're married, you need to take it. That's coming up next month. You can sign up at gethope.net slash re-engage. But we have to pour into parents and to, to marriages and to students from elementary all the way up through our young adults. And, uh, and it's because of your generosity that we are able to do things like that. Uh, not just affecting one marriage or one family, but when those kids grow up, they're gonna have families of their own and we are affecting actual generations of people. And it's because of your generosity, because of your financial partnership that we are able to do that. So I wanna challenge you guys. We are doing fine financially, uh, but this is the type of year that we like to remind people if you have paused your financial giving uh, because of COVID hardships the past few months, I'm gonna ask you to unpause it this month. Uh, Also, if you've been on the fence, we have tons and tons of new folks. If you've been having conversations with your spouse or kind of thinking in your head that maybe this is the year that you want to jump in, I would encourage you to do it this month because we have lots of other amazing opportunities. We're leading with big faith. We want to do a lot more this year. And the more people that are thinking about jumping in, if they jump in right now, we can do a lot more than if you wait and jump in in November. See what I'm saying? So if you have been on the fence, you can go to gethope.net slash give. Uh, you can give through our app. We don't take up an offering, um, but you can give online as most of our people do. And I, it's one of the best things you'll ever do. Uh, me and my wife do it every single month. And uh, if you're new at this, I would encourage to start at like 10%. I think that God wants us to go above and beyond that. But for those of you who are financially partnering with us, thank you so much. It's because of you that we can accomplish things like the parenting conference. But if this is your first weekend here, you picked a great time to jump in because we are starting a brand new sermon series uh, that we are calling Characters, Finding Your Role in the Story. And I am so excited about this. I believe that the next four weeks could radically change the course of your life, not because of the wisdom that I'm gonna share from me, but because of the truths that we are gonna see in scripture. And the reason I'm so excited is because I believe that a lot of us, maybe even most of us, 
are living out the wrong role in the wrong story. And so our goal over the next few weeks is to get an idea of what is the story? What's the true story? What is the story that God is telling? And how can we play a role in that and partner with him? And so uh, this week, we're going to be learning about what that story is and who the main character is uh, through a book called Colossians. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. It's really hard to find. It's like after the Gospels, but if you get to the maps, you've gone too far. So just use your table of contents. It'll be on the side screens as well. Hold your finger there uh, because it's going to take a while for us to get there. Um, But I'm excited about this story mainly because I love stories. I love good stories. I'm like addicted to stories. I think we all love stories. I love someone who tells a good story. You ever have a friend that's a really good storyteller? Uh, One of my friends that's amazing at this, uh, you saw him, he led Unscripted, but his name's Sam Canoli. He's the worship director here. That boy can tell a story. Like he could talk about his laundry and I'm just sucked in. He has this story. This is not gonna make sense, but he used to call five of his uncles certain names and then he figured out one by one that that wasn't their real name. It was their nickname. And he tells it, and his like mind is blown. Every single uncle, never mind, you're, Sam, you're gonna have to tell that story like 10,000 times now. But that, we love stories. We love telling stories. That's why we tell them around campfires. That's why we tell them around fire pits. That's why we remember the stories that our grandparents told us growing up about them growing up, right? We, we are addicted to stories. And I think this is the case because whether we know it or not, stories are incredibly powerful. See, stories have this, have this power to move us emotionally and to shape us and to change us and, to, and, to, and to, to mold us like nothing else. I think that's why Jesus chose stories as the main way that he taught. He taught through parables because he understood that stories are so incredibly powerful. And our world knows this. If you watch any cable news for any length of time, you'll hear a word that's very similar to story. It's the word narrative. You ever heard narrative on the news or on news radio? Yeah. So so that's not the narrative. They're trying to control the narrative. See, politicians are really, really skilled at creating a narrative around an event because they know depending on the way you frame the narrative, Depending on the way you interpret the story, it can radically change the way that you respond to a certain event because our our world knows that stories are powerful. Our world knows that, that they can change us and mold us and they can change not just how we vote, which they can, but they can also change how we live our lives because stories are incredibly powerful. But here's the truth. And here's what psychologists and therapists have been learning recently is that because stories are so powerful, if you believe in an untrue story, if you believe that you are living out an untrue role and living in a story that doesn't match reality, it can have devastating effects on your life. In fact, a lot of therapy is actually getting people to not believe the untrue story that they're believing and actually come face to face with reality. In fact, Lori Gottlieb, she's a psychotherapist, And she gave a TED talk a few years ago and she talks about how, you know, she meets with patients daily that are pretty unhappy with where their life currently is. And what she's figured out is that that unhappiness stems in large part from the untrue stories that they tell themselves because they tell themselves that they're victims their, their lifestyle kind of ends up being a victim lifestyle because they tell themselves that no one loves me, that no one accepts me. They actually end up living a life of loneliness because stories are, they, are that powerful. They're actually almost self-fulfilling prophecies. And she says this, she says, all of us walk around telling ourselves stories about our lives, why we made that decision, why things went wrong, why we treated a certain person a certain way because obviously they deserved it why someone treated us a certain way when obviously we didn't deserve it. 
Stories are the way that we make sense of our lives. But what happens when the stories we tell ourselves are misleading or incomplete or just wrong? Instead of providing clarity, these stories just keep us stuck. Listen to this. We assume that our circumstances shape our stories. But what I've found time and again is the exact opposite happens. The way we narrate our lives shapes what they become. The story that you tell yourself about your life actually shapes what your life ultimately becomes. And if you believe in a wrong story, or you believe that you're living out an an incorrect role in an incorrect story, you're going to hit a dead end, and you're never going to live the type of life that God created you to live. Well, I have bad news for you before we get to good news. (laughs) If you are a human being like me, um, the story, odds are, that you tell yourself every single day the story that you tell yourself to make sense out of life, the story that you believe that you are living in and the role that you believe you are living out, odds are it's a wrong story and it's the wrong role. Odds are you are living in a story that just doesn't match with reality. You're actually living in a delusion. And I'm with you in this, okay? Uh, And I'm gonna prove this to you in a really, really weird way. One of the most powerful stories that I remember growing up uh, it was the first movie that I ever cried in. Now, um, it's the movie Rudy. You guys ever seen Rudy? Raise your hand. Maybe I'm dating myself. I almost cried in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, but that was like, that was tears of fear because of the sheriff of Nottingham's mom. You remember the witch? She was crazy. But um, Rudy was the first movie that I ever was moved to like joyous tears. And if you don't know, millennials. It's the story of uh, a guy named Rudy who has this dream of playing football at Notre Dame, and he's not the most physically skilled, but he overcomes all these hurdles. And there's this one scene where he finally gets to play in one final home game. It's where they chant Rudy. In fact, I brought it with me. Can I play it? Is that okay? All right, let's go ahead and play the clip. It's going to take some of you back.
<laughs> all right, pause it right there. I'm not crying, you're crying, okay? Now, there's not the emotional lead up. All the college kids are like, I didn't know Samwise Gamgee played football, but he did. But Rudy, Rudy, like I love that scene. I love that scene. We love that scene. We remember it. You can go to any crowded room in America with people that are 30 and above and just start saying Rudy, Rudy, and everyone will join in because we, we remember that scene. That was like the scene of a generation. But let me ask you this. You remember that scene, but how many of you remember the dude in the white hat? You see that right there? See him in the lower left-hand side? Anybody remember the dude in the white hat? That's Jason Gore. No, I'm just kidding. That'd be crazy if it was. <laughs> no, it's not. You don't remember him because he's just an extra, right? He plays a really, really minor part. He's not the main character. Rudy is. In fact, I tried to look up what his name was, but they don't even list him in the credits because there's like a thousand extras on that day. They actually shot that on location. You don't, you don't remember him because your attention was on Rudy. And I get that. He's, he's such a, he has such a small role. He just kind of walks into the camera frame for a second. He goes, yeah, Rudy. He actually takes a picture and then he moves out of the camera frame. You know what would be crazy? Be crazy, white hat guy, that's what we're gonna call him for the rest of the sermon. Be crazy if after filming that scene, white hat guy kind of called up his parents and said, you're never gonna believe this, but I am starring in a major motion picture. What if he called up his family and his friends and like threw a party saying, you never believe this, but they made a movie based on my life. It is called The Life and Times of White Hat Guy. Like what if he said that? What would his family say? His family would say, uh, you're a little delusional. You are not the main character. The title is Rudy. You remember that? You're just a little extra. You're in the scene, then out of the scene. We're proud of you, but this movie is not about you. Or what if when they were shooting that scene, white hat guy kind of got all ready and everyone was chanting Rudy, Rudy. He said, shh, white hat guy, white hat guy. And then he kind of pulled Rudy off the shoulders and tried to get up on the shoulders of the football player. What would the director say? He'd say, cut, what are you doing? This movie's not about you. You are an extra. They probably just fire him and say, take his white hat and put it on some other guy, right? Because he is just a minor character. The movie's not about him. And I say that because I think that when God looks down on a lot of our lives, he kind of pulls the angels together and he's like, what are they doing? Are they that delusional? Do they really think they are the main character in their life story? Do they think the story is about them? <laughs> are they for real? And the truth is that's how most of us live our lives. As if the story is about us, as if we are the main character of our lives. We're center stage, we're the main character. In fact, to suggest anything other is like craziness. Some of you are all looking like, I am the main character, right? That, that's how we grow up. Like from an early age, we just think we are the main character in the story of our life. In fact, I brought three books of mine that I actually wrote in second, third, and fourth grade. Uh, everyone did it, okay? So I'm not like a special kid. And uh, the stories are absolutely horrible. We have My Summer Horror Trip. I don't know what that's about. We have Climb and Jump, intriguing, over the minefields to the Purple Gorilla. Yep. So I wrote these in second, third, and fourth grade, and I actually kind of breezed through them. Guess who the main character in all these books are? His name's Chase. Who would have thought? Chase is the main character. Actually, one of them is named Scooter. I shouldn't tell you this. That's what my grandmother used to call me growing up. So I'm still the main character. You're going to call me Scooter, and I'm going to hate it. But we think that we are the main character in our life story. And this isn't surprising. It's crazy to suggest that we aren't. I mean, it's my life. Of course, I am the main character. Of course, it's about me. 
In fact, I actually uh, looked up what's some of the trends on social media, and I am not making this up, but one of the trends on TikTok uh, and on YouTube right now is how to be the main character in your life story. <laughs> because our culture's like, man, you got it, you got to you have to act this way. And so I actually uh, Googled main character in your story. And sure enough, all these articles started popping up, how to be the main character in your life, uh, 10 things to stop and start doing to be the main character in your life. How about this one? Main character energy, how to be the hero of your own story. And one article says this, you have to start seeing yourself as the main character. You aren't the sidekick, the background character, the cameo appearance. This period is period your period life. Seriously. And the article goes on and it actually um, says, Here, here's some things that you can stop doing and start doing to get that main character energy. First off, stop pleasing other people. I mean, you're the main character, they're not. Uh, figure out what your deep desires and needs are and pursue those at all costs. And she actually, the author, gives us some uh, examples. Maybe it's a new bedtime routine. That's one of them. Uh, maybe it is uh, some new hobbies. The author says, stop criticizing yourself, do the inner work, and it just goes on. And there's tons of articles and TikToks and YouTube videos just encouraging and reinforcing what we believe. We believe that we are the main character in a story that is all about us. And to think any other way is just craziness to us. But what I want to share with you to kick off this series is that that thought that we are the main character in a story all about us, besides that thought leading to frustration or leading to pride or leading to self-pity or to emptiness or just to a dead end, we'll talk about that next week, Base, uh, if, you, if you live according this way, it's, it, there's dangers associated with it. Besides that, ultimately, it's not true. That's not reality. In fact, God looks down at those of us living that way, oftentimes me included, and just like white hat guy, he's like, they're delusional. That's crazy. You see, here's the truth, the truth about me and the truth about you. And this is gonna sting at first glance. We are not the main character in a story that is all about us. No, we are minor characters in another story. We're white hat guy, okay? We just play a teeny tiny role in a huge eternal story that God has revealed in his word. You are caught up in a story that was being told before you were born and will continue to be told even after you die. In fact, it will be told for all of eternity. And it's bigger than us, and it does not have us at the center. So here's the truth, and you should write this down, get it tattooed on your arm, just repeat it to yourself over and over again. You ready? You are not the main character in a story that is all about you. You are a minor character in a story that is all about Jesus. Right? You're just a minor, momentary character that's meant to enter the camera shot for one second. Go, yay, Jesus and then exit. <laughs> that's the story that we're caught up in, and that's the role that you're a part of. You're a minor character in a story that is all about Jesus. And if you could just grasp that immense paradigm shift, I know it's crazy, but if you could just grasp that, your whole entire life would change, and I want to prove it to you. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to Colossians. There was a guy who started off his life believing that he was the main character in his life story, and it was all about him. 
He had all the educational attainment. He had really, really high. He was really high in society. His name was Paul. He wrote like half the New Testament. He thought that his duty here on earth, he was the hero and he was, he was vanquishing the evil foe. Well, Jesus interrupts him later in life and says, hey, Paul, you should know that's not true. Uh, you're actually the evil guy and you're persecuting me. I'm actually the hero. I'm the main character. You're kind of the minor one. I'm going to show you what that's like. So later in life, he actually writes a letter to a church that's in the city of Colossae. And in Colossae, they had fallen prey to this new religion called Gnosticism, which basically said, um, you can be the best version of you and escape all these other little human beings by, you know, this, this mystical experience and stuff. And they actually taught that Jesus wasn't that important. He was actually given to us to make us into the best version of us that we could be. Like Jesus was there so that we could be healthy and wealthy and prosperous. Isn't it crazy what people used to teach in the olden days? Good things. We have progressed beyond that. But... He writes this letter to kind of shake them out of their delusion, to shake us out of ours. And he writes one of the most jarring and life-altering paragraphs that has ever been written. And he says, Colossians, you think they're the main character? Hope Community Church, you think you're the main character of your life? Let's compare you to someone else who is actually the real main character, and let's see how you, how you end up. He says, let me tell you a little bit about Jesus, the main character. He says, he is, first off, the image of the invisible God. Like, you know, the all-powerful, all-glorious, all-knowing, all-wise, all-sovereign, ever-present God of the universe? Well, that's Jesus just with skin on. <laughs> like, everything that the eternal God of the universe is, Jesus is, but in a way that we can see, in a way that he can showcase all of that amazingness so that we can just be in awe of him and glorify him. And he says this, He's also the firstborn of all creation. That doesn't mean he was born first. Adam, I guess, Cain was born first. It means that in that uh, certain day and age, the firstborn son had the most respect in the family. So he has the position of honor in the family that we call the human race. And so when, when dad's gone away from the house, he's the man of the house, he gets the inheritance, he is the honored and privileged one above all of us. Above all of us. He keeps on going and says, for by him... All things were created. You know when it says in Genesis 1 that God created the heavens and the earth? He's talking about Jesus. See, God used his word to create everything that we can see, and Jesus is the word of God. And so Jesus was the means by which God created everything that we can hear and taste and touch and smell and experience, but not just the physical things. Paul also says he created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. So not only did Jesus create the physical realm, he also created the angels and the spirits that we read about in the Bible. He created the, the heavenly throne room, the spirit that resides in each of us. And not only did he create them, but get this, and this is the whole point of today. He created them with a purpose. And what is that purpose? He said, um, he created all things were created through him. And what's that word? for him. Everything that exists, Jesus created and he created with a purpose and that purpose is himself so that he would be glorified, so that he would be lifted up. It means that when you walk out of your house tomorrow and you see the beautiful sun in the sky and you feel its warmth and you can see because of the light that shines and you know that guy, that's 93 million miles away. And it rises and it's set, not so that we can just look at it and say, look how pretty it is, but so that we can look at it and say, look, look how powerful and amazing Jesus is. 
Or you look in the stars in the night sky tonight, just look up and you'll see billions of stars that human beings can see, but there are billions of more that no human eye will ever see. And those aren't there so that we say, oh, look how pretty the night sky is. No, those were created and flung into space so that we humans can look up and our jaws can just open and we'll say, look how big space is and how limitless, there's no end, but Jesus is bigger. He's bigger and he created that and he holds it in his hands. Look how amazing Jesus is. The mountains and the seas and not just the big things, but the little things as well. I was watching a YouTube video this week. Do you know how many different types of beetles there are in the world? <laughs> Guess, just name out a number. Guess, 42, no, way off. It's 350,000, 350,000 different types of beetles. And that's not on accident. And so that scientists can go, well, there's another one and another one. And I would have been impressed if Jesus just created one. But no, we look at that and we realize each one's unique and created distinctly. How creative is our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I just, I like to think this thought that there are some, some landscapes on this earth that only two or three human beings will ever see in the history of the world. Maybe they're nestled in the Alps somewhere and there's these mountains and this waterfall and there's this little valley kind of tucked aside and it's filled with all these different wildflowers and maybe two days a week, they just burst into bloom, all the colors of the rainbow. And only two people will see it, but God put that there so that when they do, they say, look how amazing and powerful and creative our God is, you see? And it's not just the physical creation. Paul says he also created uh, thrones and dominions and rulers and authority. That means that human history was created for his glory, that nations rise and fall, that, that, that scientific revolutions take place. And the reason is for his glory and his fame. I'm reading through the Bible this year. I try to every year. I usually get behind, but I'm on pace this year. I just caught up yesterday. And if you've never done that, you guys should do that. And uh, I, would, I would seem like I know my Bible backwards and forwards. I don't. I still get to some places where I'm like, what is that about? Like, that's confusing. And the more I'm reading it this year, the more I'm like, oh, that's not confusing. That's about Jesus. I forgot. <laughs> that's why that's there. And that shouldn't surprise me because Jesus himself says that this whole entire thing, the story of God, it's all about him. In Luke 24, once he's raised from the dead, I guess he's just hanging out around town and he encounters this Bible study of men on the road to Emmaus. And they're kind of talking, they're confused about a passage and Jesus walks up and says, hey, you need some help explaining it? And the guys are like, yeah, that'd be great. I don't understand any of it. And it says that Jesus took the scrolls, the Bible and showed them how it was about him page after page after page after page. In John uh, chapter five, he says something similar to the Pharisees. He said, Pharisees, you read this and you look for the secret meaning. Don't you know that it's all about me page after page after page? And I've just been seeing this like never before. Like he's the one that created. Or there's this weird part in Genesis chapter three where, and if you're just new at the Bible and you don't know some of these stories, that's okay. Just keep reading, keep reading. You'll become more familiar. And now you'll know, that's not confusing. That's about Jesus. But God curses the serpent and says, one born of woman will one day crush your head and you will crush his heel. And you're like, what is that all about? You're like, oh, that's Jesus. <laughs> one born of woman, one day uh, evil hurts him, but he triumphs over that. Or um, in the Exodus, we talked about this uh, a few years ago. Um, during the 10 plagues, it was the, the angel of death that killed the firstborn 
of all the cows and all the human beings. But the Jews could, could escape that death if they killed a lamb and smeared blood all over the doorpost called the Passover lamb. The angel of death would pass over it. And you get to that, like, why kill a lamb? Why smear it on your doorpost? You're like, oh, it points to Jesus. He's the lamb that was slain. Or you get to Exodus where I'm at right now. And God commands Moses, the Israelites are about to die of thirst. They're this close to death. They desperately need water. And God says, hey, Moses, I want you to hit that rock and water's gonna come out. Like, that's weird. Okay, you could make it rain, but I'll do that. And so Moses takes his staff and he hits it, but he hits it twice. And because he hits it twice, he's not allowed to enter the promised land. And you're like, what is that about God? But if you see the point is Jesus Jesus was the rock that was struck for us. And because he was struck, life issues forth. Moses should have just hit it once, not twice, because Jesus didn't die twice. And, and you see all of these stories, the bronze serpent on a pole. We talked about that, where all these people are dying of snake bites. And God says, put a serpent on a pole that all who look to him can be saved. You're like, why a serpent on a pole? Well, Jesus says in John 3, 15, that's pointing to me. I'm going to hang on a pole that all who look to me can be saved. It's all about him. And you keep going. You look at the sacrificial system. You look at the priests. You look at the kings. You look at the minor prophets and the major prophets. And as you read, you just learn all of it is a shadow of Jesus. He is the ultimate sacrifice. Where our earthly priest let us down as a go-between, Jesus is the best priest where our kings failed us, he's the true and greater king. He's the prophet. The New Testament is all about him. Then you get to the end of the Bible and there's a new heaven and there's a new earth and who is sitting on the throne? Not me and not you. It's Jesus. From the very first word to the very last, it's all about him. Everything was created by him and through him and for him. And Paul wraps up and he says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He didn't just create it, but he sustains it. He upholds it. Right now, your heart is beating because Jesus is making it do that. Your lungs are breathing in and out because Jesus is sustaining them for his glory. If he stopped thinking about you, you would cease to exist. He said, he's the head of the body of the church. That's why Hope Community Church exists. And he says this, he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, greatest, foremost, prominent, important. It's not about us. It never has been. It currently is not. And it never will be. You are not the main character in a story that is all about you. I am not the main character in a story that is all about me. You're a minor character in a story that's all about Jesus. You're a white hat guy. <laughs> and you're meant to come into the scene for a moment and say, yay, Jesus. You guys should know Jesus. Look how awesome Jesus is. And then you die. And then for all of eternity, you keep saying, yay, Jesus. <laughs> and I know that can be a shock. Some of you are like, this guy is crazy. <laughs> but I promise if you just dwell on that, and marinate and think about that, you will get to the place that a lot of us are. Where not only do we say, oh yeah, that's true, but also, whew, what a load off. What a better way to live than the way that I was living before I heard that. I mean, if I'm the main character of my life story, if I'm the main point of everything, then that means that I have to find my own meaning. 
that I have to decide what my purpose is and I have to chase after that and accomplish it. I mean, two of the biggest questions in your heart right now are why am I here and what is my purpose? And people spend decades trying to figure that out when Paul just told you, why are you here? Because of Jesus. What is your purpose? To glorify him. Some of the young adults are here in this room right now, and some of you are probably freaking out about what college to go to or transfer to or what major to pick or what major to transfer into or what job to pick and what city, and you're just paralyzed and you're so stressed. This makes it so much easier. What decision glorifies Jesus more? Great, do that. See, because that's why you were created. That one truth just takes all the stress and confusion out of life. All the whys just go away. I was talking with a friend a few months ago who was sick and had very, very bad back pain. He kept saying, why do I have back pain? Am I sinning? What's going on? And then he realized, he's like, no, no, no. And so I can tell all my friends, say, even though this is debilitating, it's okay. (laughs) This body's gonna go away one day. I'm gonna get a new one. In fact, this pain is making me long for heaven even more. Do you know Jesus? You should know him. You get to spend eternity with him. He's awesome. Or like when your kids just disobey like crazy and you're like, why is this happening? Why do they just go nuts? Well, it's easy. It's because of Jesus. So they could see their need for him and you could point them to him. (laughs) You really need Jesus and he loves you. He's awesome. You should get to know him. Like why is stuff in my life just falling apart? Why did I lose my job? Why, don't, why can't I make ends meet? Why did I lose my job and now I have to get this crappy part-time job? Well, with this perspective, it's because of Jesus. <laughs> it's so that in that moment, you can look at your friends and your relatives and your family and just say, hey, stuff is falling apart and I've been eating ramen noodles for two weeks and I've been walking into this crappy side job, but you know what? I'm content because I have found a treasure <laughs> that is worth way more than money. You guys know Jesus, you should know him. He's pretty awesome. Or even when things are going well. You ever ask that question, why are things working out so well? (laughs) What did I do to deserve this? Why do I have so much money? Why do I have this awesome job? Is it because you're holier than other people? No. Is it so you can share it with your pastor? Probably, that's part of it. But no, it's because of Jesus. So you can have all of that material success and look at your coworkers and look at your neighbors and say, look at all this stuff I have. I don't even care. You want some of it? I'll give it to you. I'll give it away. I will invest in the kingdom of God. I will make a kingdom impact because I have found a treasure greater. His name's Jesus. You should really get to know him. You guys should meet him. See, when you grasp that you are not the main character in the story of Jesus, it makes everything so much easier. You have these experiences where your boss passes over you for a promotion, or you don't get the admiration or applause, or someone doesn't like your social media post, or your spouse didn't notice that you emptied the dishwasher, (laughs) and you don't get the affirmation that you need, it's okay, because I'm not the main character. Jesus is. He needs the applause, not me. He deserves it. Or the opposite happens. You realize someone's gossiping about you behind your back. Those are hard experiences, where they're just trashing your reputation, all your friends and family members and nothing you can do about it. But with this perspective, who cares? It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's not about my reputation. It's about Jesus's reputation. Uh, At one point in Paul's life, he was put in prison for preaching the gospel. And there are these pastors that hated him because he was successful. And so while he was in prison, they went to all of the churches that he started and they would preach the gospel, but they'd also badmouth Paul. 
They'd slide in these little digs. They would just trash him behind his back. And so some of Paul's friends came and told him, you can read about it in Philippians. They said, hey, they're preaching the gospel, but they are trashing you. And Paul heard it and he said, awesome, keep it up. Because <laughs> I don't matter, Jesus does. They're preaching, keep going. If they can get into certain churches because they make funny jokes about me, all power to them. Just keep preaching Jesus. When, when Jesus came on the scene during the time of John the Baptist, all of John the Baptist's disciples started leaving him and started following after Jesus. And uh, one by one, they just kept leaving. And some of John the Baptist's friends came up to him and said, dude, do you know you're losing all your disciples? And John's like, where are they going? He said, to Jesus. He's like, great. I hope all of them go. Because why? Because I must decrease and he must increase. That's my role. You see, one of my heroes in my life, he has a really, really a weird name, uh, Count Nicholas von Ziesendorf. <laughs> but he was uh, a noble um, in the 1700s, and he was a Christian. Um, and he decided he wanted to impact the world. So he started welcoming all these religious um, persecuted populations, Catholic, Anabaptist, all this sort of stuff. And they started fighting like crazy. So he moved into the town with them and uh, started praying for them. The spirit fell, and they started praying 24 hours a day, and it lasted for 100 years. That's not the cool part. Um, they started slowly sending missionaries uh, to places that had never heard about the gospel of Jesus. And the missionaries were nuts because they would literally pack their belongings in a coffin because they knew they would leave and they would never come back. And Nicholas's life goal, like if he had a vision board, this would be on it. Like this is his life dream. And he got the other missionaries to adopt it as well. And I love it. You know what it was? Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Yes, I love that. Like, put that on a poster, take down the live, love, laugh, lick, whatever it is, and put that in its place because that's what life is all about. We're just minor characters that come into the scene for a moment, say, yay, Jesus, he's amazing, he's incredible, he's glorious, y'all should know him. And then we exit. That's our role, and that's the story. Can you imagine how much God could do through a group of people that care less about themselves and more about Jesus? You know, we say all the time, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. What if we went beyond that? What do you think God could accomplish through a group of people that cared that Jesus alone got the credit? You think you could do some amazing stuff? I do. Well, next week, we're going to dive into what that role actually looks like, how we fulfill that minor character role. And then we're going to talk about the excuses that we might have before we jump in. And we're going to actually talk about practical ways that you can start living out that role here and right now. But I just want to leave, leave, leave you with that question. Just ask yourself, how would your life change if it wasn't all about me and instead it was all about Jesus? Because that's the truth. That's the reality. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're okay with humbling us, that you're okay with just giving us the truth. And I pray that that truth would shock us, that it would throw us off balance a little bit, that it would get us to look outside of ourselves and into what's really going on. And Father, I pray even this week and through the series that you would just you would just get our eyes off of me and me and me and my stuff and my wants and my desires and just point all of our eyes on you and your desires and your dreams and your goal and your power. Father, I pray that you would do something amazing in our midst. 
would you raise up a generation of people? You say, I'm just a minor character in a story that's all about you. And we look forward to what you do the coming weeks. And it's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.